You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Buenos dias. Robert Carrillo here at Metro Vision Studios. And uh, it's a great morning because we're getting together all over the place in our living rooms and we're going to listen to the Word of God and take communion together and just have a great time. So I want to welcome you, uh, especially Metro family and our little crew up in San Francisco area. It's great to have you here. All our friends, our family, neighbors, anybody who's tuning in this morning, it's good to have you here with us. Uh, today's a big day for us and uh, we are having our worldwide missions collection it's a time of year where we take up a big collection. People sell things, they sacrifice, they, they give so that we can preach the gospel around the world. And in particular, where we are funding, as those of us in the metro region know, we are funding Lebanon, Tijuana, the Philippines, the Caribbean, and the Southwest churches and a couple of key places. And, uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's very exciting to be able to do this and to keep sharing and keep advancing the gospel. And the reason we do it is because this is what Jesus commanded us to do. And he called us out in Matthew 28. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we take this command very serious, right? This is, this is, uh, Jesus' plan to change the world. This is Jesus' plan to spread the gospel and to make a difference in people's lives all over the world. And of course, that means that somebody's got to go out there. Somebody's got to go all over the world. And Romans 10, 14, he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So we are, we're not only sent to reach out to love our neighbors and, and, and share the gospel with them and in our cities and at our workplaces and on our campuses at school and, but also around the world. And he literally said, you know, he said, Pantata ethne, or unto all nations or all ethnicities and make disciples. So that's what this day is all about. That's what the collection is all about. And we're really excited about it. Um, in a minute, in a minute, I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll jump into the scriptures. But I did want to prepare everybody, uh, especially if you're tuning in. Why are we doing this? This is why it is really a sacred command. It is called the Great Commission to go and preach the gospel. And if you'd like to know, how do I give? Well, those of us who are members, we, most of us have either a Tidely account or a CCB account. And, uh, you know, and, and I just got to say that everybody's done a really great job about being consistent with contribution. And uh, I want to encourage us with that. And we can give under the, there's a category in our giving, uh, special missions. There's another shortcut. There's a real simple way. If you're not already registered with one of those is to simply go to give to metro.com. And that actually takes you right to the giving page. The other way to do it is to go to metro.laicc.net. And that's our website. You go there. That's the page that'll pop up. You see in the upper right hand corner, there's a little tiny word that says give, but it's really a big deal, even though it's a tiny word. And you click that and it'll take you to that page. And then you go to the uh, options of two 
and choose special mission. And you can write in there how much you want to give. Uh, and and we, that will go right to the, the church as well. So lots of great ways to give. So today, uh, as trying to be appropriate to our uh, missions collection, uh, we, you know, we're doing the middle of a series of parables and teachings of Jesus. So today we picked the lost sheep. I think it's appropriate considering that's what this fund is for, is to help us reach the whole world, to help us reach everybody, to help us reach out to everybody. So before we do that, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for reaching out to each one of us, to, to helping us to know you, God. We thank you that you are a God who wants to be known, that you have reached out to us our entire lives. I know most of us could remember times where you were clearly calling us. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us so much, that you care about us, that you've sent people to reach out to us, that you put people in our lives to help us to know you. We thank you, God, for all the many ways your spirit is moving to, so that we can have a relationship with you. And we do pray, God, that everybody in the whole world, God, have a chance to know that and to know you, Father, and know how you work and know the good news and the gospel. We pray that you would bless the collection we take up today, that you would multiply our dollars so that they can meet great needs all around the world. We love you, God. We ask this as well as, as we're jumping in our study. Give us open hearts and open minds to be able to learn as much as we can and to be transformed by your word, Father. All this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, amen. So parable of the, out of the teachings, the parables of the teachings of Jesus, the lost sheep. Uh, this is one of the great ones. This is one of the, the classic ones, you know, uh, uh, where we, we were compared several times to sheep, which is not really a compliment. A sheep aren't exactly the smartest farm animals, but um, we do have our similarities. You know, sheep tend to wander off. Sheep tend to get lost. Sheep, uh, they, if, if they don't get sheared, they get too heavy. They fall over and they sit there and baa, which translated means I've fallen. I can't get up and they need help. They need shepherds. They need somebody to guide them along, to protect them. And so we're oftentimes referred to as sheep. And that's a good thing because the shepherd loves the sheep. The, the, the sheep and the shepherd have uh, a very important connection. And God is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. So sheep, particularly the lost sheep. So we're going to jump in. Um, the other title I thought, and this is what the title of the sermon is, Finding Nemo. So... I thought, okay, well, this is a classic story. Um, I decided not to not to use it too much, but uh, you know, finding what's Nemo about? What's finding Nemo about? A father in search of his lost son. That's us, right? Finding Nemo. In Matthew eighteen, here we have our our first parable. And really, just so you know, you know, Jesus probably told these stories multiple times in different contexts and different settings. He would tell these stories to give uh, important teaching. And that's what parables are. They're, they're, they're physical examples to reveal spiritual truths to help us understand deeper meanings, right? So Matthew 18 is one classic one. There's two classic ones that we'll read. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 10, uh, Jesus is speaking. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. He was talking about children. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Jesus was particularly protective of children. And I think the, the reasons are obvious. They are innocent. They are really at the mercy of adults. And, and 
really, they actually have an ideal mindset, an openness to learning, an openness to being taught, and they are very moldable, and they imitate naturally, and which is the heart that later, later Jesus would challenge us to have. But so he's protective of them. And he tells them that, you know, basically he says that God's angels are watching over them, the very angels that see God every day. So it's important that, that we understand how important it is to protect children. He says in verse 12, what do you think? And this is a question. It's an interesting parable because he starts it with a question. What do you think about this? He says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. You know, and in a larger sense, we're really all God's children. We're all his children and he's our father. And that, that's the way that God has chosen to present himself to us as a loving father. Another way is as a protective shepherd. And, and he, and he tells the classic story. He says that this guy has a hundred sheep. He loses one. He actually leaves the 99 to search for that one. And he, and, and that's the question. He says, what do you think? And, and, and most of the people listening, they either have sheep or they've tended sheep or they've been around them enough to know the story and to know that this is a reality. You know, that they, no matter what size their flock, if one of them is missing, you're not going to just say, oh, well, I got plenty of others because every single one of them is important and every single one of them will have an impact on your economy, on your life, on your, on your well-being, on your children's lives. So every one of them is very valuable to the family. And so, yes, if one is missing, you'll actually leave the 99 and go searching for them. And he says something really important at the end. He says, in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. You know, that God is protective of every single person on the planet. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So we'll get into that later. Now, the other version of this story he tells in a slightly different setting, Luke chapter 15. He says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Now we've talked about this situation before. The Pharisees and the tax collectors, they have one view of religion. That anybody religious is better than everyone else. And therefore should have no contact and have nothing to do with others, and stays away. And they look down on everyone else. That is not the religion of Jesus at all. The religion of Jesus was everybody's valuable, everybody's important, everybody matters. So Jesus tells this story to make that point clear. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons 
who do not need to repent. You know, and it's, it's, it's almost the exact same story, but a slightly different context. And the one he's talking about the importance of every child and we're all children of God. Every single one of us is important. But on this one, he's basically saying, do not depreciate or undervalue anybody that we are all valuable to God. And, you know, almost the same message, but, but, but you get the idea. And, and, and so there's some very valuable things here that we'll stop and we'll take apart a little bit. We'll unpack this. This parable, just a little bit to get some of the, the gold out of it. So what does it tell us? Well, number one, everybody's important. That's the most obvious message of these parables. Every single person is important. There's not one single person that is not important. We are all important. And, and, and for God, as far as God is concerned, there's no value. There's no one person is better than another or, or he doesn't have favorites. He doesn't, he has special relationships in the sense of there are people that are closer to him that devoted their life to him and he's closer and he knows them. But in terms of his love for everyone and the value of every person is equal for everyone. Every single person on this planet was made in God's image. And therefore, they are precious to the Lord. And that's an incredible thing. You know, one of the worst things I saw traveling around the world was seeing people living in the streets, seeing people live in extreme poverty, and 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 they, in, in essence, have no value to society. And they feel that. They feel that they're not important. They feel that their lives don't matter. They feel that no one cares. And, you know, in, in, in countries where there's, there's these dense populations where there are literally hundreds of kids living on the street and people walk by them, they don't even look at them. They don't, they don't think of them as people. They're no different than a stray dog wandering around or a, a cockroach crossing the sidewalk. And I see that that is one of the most damaging things about poverty is it takes away people's self-worth. It takes their value away, the value that God made them with. And, and this is a very important message that these parables tell us. Everybody's important. And the way you got to take this in personal is it means that you are important. You are important to God. I want you to think about that for a second. You are important to God. You matter to God. God cares about your life. God cares about how you're doing and what your future is like and how your life is going. God cares deeply about you. And that's the first and most important lesson that comes through in these, uh, in these parables. Every single person is important. And the way you personalize that is you are important. You have to understand that. God knows you. He knows all about you. He knows your heart. He knows more about your heart than you do. And he cares about you and he loves you. The test of any relationship is, is when two people know each other's weaknesses, they know each other's sin, and they still love each other. God knows all your weaknesses. God knows all your sin, and he still loves you. You are important to him. In Isaiah 46, 4, he says, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and will carry you. I will sustain you and will rescue you. And he's, 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 he's basically expressing his long-term commitment. And all the way through your old age when your hair all turns white, he's, I am with you. I'm here to sustain you 
and I'm here to help you. And that's God's heart. That's God expressing his heart to us. In Romans 5, he says in verse 6, Christ died for us when we were unable to help ourselves. We were living against God. But at just the right time, Christ died for us. Very few people would die to save their life, of the life of someone else, even if it was for a good person. Someone might be willing to die for an especially good person. But Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's to say, while we were still his enemies. And by this, God showed how much he loves us. You know, anybody can love somebody who loves them back. Anybody can love a loving person, a really kind person, a really good person, a really giving person. But he didn't love us just when we were kind and being good. He loved us when we were living our lives totally against him. And by this, he shows us how much he loves us, how much he cares about us. And, and, and Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put, up, put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by, by, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. You know, God is expressing basically that we just need to trust him. We need to know that we are incredibly important to him, that our lives matter, that he loves us, that he's devoted to us. You know, I think that's more important right now than ever before, because you know what? There is a lot of anxiety in the world right now. There's so much anxiety. I mean, we've, you know, in our house, we pretty much gave up watching the news. I check YouTube to make sure there's no major events that I need to know about. If I watch the news, I watch, I watch, uh, BBC news because it's very dry. It's just, they just report the facts. I mean, you put on the TV and you put the news and it's just filled with things that make, make us anxious. Or worse, it's filled with things that make us angry and even maybe hateful. And, and, and angry towards people. And, and we don't need to be worrying about all that. There's so many things to worry about right now. There's so many things to be anxious about. What God is inviting us to do is just to trust him and to be secure in him and know, look, nobody's worrying about the sparrows right now. And there's a bunch of sparrows and little birds around our house. I think they're sparrows. I don't know. But there's little birds that are flying around. Nobody's worried about, you know, feeding them and make sure they have food and make sure they have a place to spend the night. Make sure that they have blankets and pillows and, and a meal, a three square meal. They, yet God takes care of them. And that's his point is that he wants to take care of you. And I know that doesn't mean that everything's going to go great and you'll never have any problems. But what it means is you always have him to turn to. And to be restored, to be strengthened, to be healed, to be helped. You always have the Lord. And, and we just have to remember that 
And it all ties into this point that God is trying to make. You are important to him. And your life matters to him. You know, I read this story one time. And I truthfully don't even know if it's true. It's, it, it was in a commentary. And, and there was this village on a coast. It was a coastal city. And every once in a while, this city had been attacked by pirates, literally, who had ransacked the city. So th- there was a, a church that had a gold altar on it. And so the monks covered it with clay. And they made the clay look pretty and everything so that, that nobody would know that the clay was covering the gold. And one of the times that the pirates attacked, and they actually killed everybody, including all the priests, and they died. So the knowledge of this altar being solid gold disappeared with them. And so nobody knew until about a hundred years later, there was a monk who was cleaning the altar. And when he was cleaning it, a piece of the clay broke off and he saw gold and he realized that the whole thing was made of gold. And, and he pulled it all off and sure enough, it was solid gold. And this was an extremely poor little church. And they had a solid gold altar. That's us. On the outside, we're clay. But what's inside our souls, our spirit, is solid gold. And that's what God sees when he sees us. And God loves us. And what makes us gold is that we're made in his image. Not our talent, not our abilities, not even the things we do in this world for God. None of the things we do in this world matter what matters is that we're close, that we're close and we're connected to God and that he loves us and cares about us and that we have this relationship and he sees the gold. It's important that we do. Number two, God does not give up on us. God doesn't give up on us. I mean, if anything, that parable shows, you know, that, that God goes high and low searching and after us to save us. And, you know, most of us that are in the church, we remember how God reached out to us. Somebody invited us. Somebody, some of us, somebody bugged us for years till, till finally we gave in and said, okay, we'll go to church. I remember I was talking to a couple that he was actually one of the San Diego Chargers. He actually worshiped here in Metro for a while when he played for the Raiders. But he said that, that, that this couple invited them to church and he was telling me how, and I know the couple, they're friends of ours too. And they invited him to church and they said, yeah, we'll go. And of course they had no intention of going. So the couple showed up. So they hid in their house and the couple went around the side of the house, knocked on the windows and said, aha, we see you. We know you're there and totally busted them. You know, they're like, what kind of people are these that they go knocking on my window, but they wanted to make sure they came to church. They came to church, blessed their marriage, blessed their family. Incredible story because these people didn't give up. And that's the way God is. That's the way God is. He doesn't give up on us, which means he doesn't, he does not give up on you. He doesn't quit on you. He doesn't, he doesn't just stop loving you. No matter what you do, God continues to love you. God continues to care about you. God continues to want to bless you and to help you and to, and, 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 and to give you hope in a future. It's us who turn our back on God. It's us who harden our hearts. It's us who walk away. It's us who keep a distance. Not God. God doesn't give up. God keeps trying. To your last breath, God keeps reaching out to be close to you. 
And, 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 and that's what makes it so beautiful when we become Christians and we respond and we give them our hearts. And it's also what's so tragic when Christians stop responding, when they stop giving God their hearts and when they allow themselves to become distant. God has not given up and neither should we. And Isaiah 46, 40 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God has so many benefits. There's so many great things about knowing God and walking with God. Talk about the, 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 the blessings we have, the peace and the, and the strength and the ability to overcome hardship and, and the hope that we have and the light that's always at the end of the darkest tunnel, all from God. And the, and the, the knowledge and the wisdom of building a life right and building a marriage right and building a family right and building friendships right and, and having a life with meaning and purpose. All the things that the world is striving to achieve and God gives that to us. Verse three, who forgives all our sins, all your sins and heals all your wounds. I love that. That God, I mean, we all pick up wounds along life. As we travel this journey of life, we get wounded. We usually get wounded by people. Sometimes, most of, you know, oftentimes people outside the church, but even sometimes people in the church. And God can heal that. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. I mean, what a great picture. He puts a crown on your head of love and compassion. So the words you're not going to hear from God is, I'm done with you. He doesn't go there. He keeps reaching out. He keeps waiting. He keeps inviting us. That's God's heart. He doesn't finish. He doesn't quit on us. We're the ones that all too often quit on him. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. He said, I will not leave you and I will not forget you. And I know sometimes we go through hardships with it. Where's God? And did he leave me? But he did not. He's always there. If we turn to him, if we listen to him, if we go to the scriptures in search of him, if we learn to sit and be still and just listen, you know, uh, uh, on, at, 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 at midweek, Reese gave an excellent class and he talked about listening to the Lord. You know, being still. I mean, it's funny because I didn't know he was going to share that. I didn't even know he was doing that. And I've been doing the same thing in a class I'm in where we've been challenged to sit and be still every morning and just listen to God. And, and, and he, and believe me, I, I have my journal next to me because I'm always getting all kinds of thoughts when I do that. And, and, and it helps me to discern things and to, to understand the, the, the path in front of me. And, and we need to understand this is how God works in our life. Number three, God is happy when we repent. I mean, this is a major point of these stories. That, and, and both of these stories, God ends celebrating. As well as, you know, in Luke 15, we have the parable of the lost coin and the prodigal son. And all of these stories, there's a celebration. There's a, there's a, there's a party. There's, there's rejoicing when we repent. You know, when we repent. So God is happy when we repent. Typically, we're not happy when we repent. It means we've been busted. It means we've, we've been caught. It means that we're going through a hard time. It means that somebody challenged us. The truth is we need to be happy about it. You know, repentance, it just means change. There's several words involved in the scriptures. There's, uh, there's Naham, which is, 
to regret something in Hebrew. It's the idea of I regret something and I will not do it anymore. I, I, I've turned my back on it. And then probably the more important word, shub, which means to turn around and turn back to God. It means to go back to him. And that's the classic idea of repentance, that, that when you realize you're far from God, when you realize you're not doing his will or that you're not well connected, you stop and you turn back to him. In fact, I used to joke about the Spanish, the Dios habla hoy Bible. It doesn't have the word repentance. Everywhere we read repentance in the NIV, it says return to him. And I thought in my naivete or my pride when I was young, I just thought they were scared to use the word repentance. But then I learned later that actually it was a closer translation because that is what shub means. It means to turn back to God. And then the, in the New Testament, the word that most everybody is familiar with is metanoia or metanoia, which is, means to change. It's a change of mind. It's a change of, of course. It's changing yourself. And, and, you know, in, in, um, Mark 1 5, Jesus said, the time has come. This is the beginning of his ministry. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The very beginning, Jesus says it multiple times in the Gospels. He starts out his ministry calling everybody to repent. If you want to be part of God's kingdom, if you want to be part of what God is doing, if you want God's blessings, it starts with repentance. That we all have to make changes. Um, and repentance is its not a complicated thing. It's a change of mind, which leads to a change of heart, which leads to a change of action and attitude. And it's a very simple thing, but it's, but we ha- means you have to face the truth about ourselves, about God, and about what is right. And that causes us to change. And the problem is we oftentimes fight that. We don't want to face the truth. We don't want to be honest. We don't want to be open. And therefore, therefore we don't change. And in fact, if anything, we get hard. And that's Jesus' warning about being an old wineskin where you're hard and crusty and you burst. He calls us to remain fresh so God can fill us and we don't burst. We don't break by the things that God challenges us to learn and to grow. But a change of, of, of mind that leads to a change of heart that changes your attitude and actions towards God. This is, seems to be a way of life. We need to do it all the time. We met, we met Anoya every week and sometimes daily just because we're staying close to God all the time. And in and, and, uh, and Matthew 18, he says, unless, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We can never stop changing. We can never settle in and settle down. Not as Christians. We should always be changing and growing and learning. And repentance shouldn't be some big traumatic event. It should just be what we're doing all the time. That's our way of life. That's our mentality. And in uh, Acts 17, Paul, in his classic sermon at the Areopagus, he said, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Then who does that mean? Everybody. Everybody. You, me, our neighbors, our co-workers, the guy selling donuts on the corner, the, the, the lady selling flowers on the corner. Every single one of us should be in repentance mode. Constantly changing and becoming more and more what God calls us to. And lastly, number four, God wants to party with everyone there. I mean, the classic parable there was the banquet where he tells them, go out in the streets and get everybody in. 
And, and, you know, both of these parables that we read, they both end in a party. They both end in a celebration, a feast, a banquet, you know, where God is just so happy because his sons are home. God wants, what does that mean? God wants you at his party. Why? Because everybody's somebody. Everybody is important to God. You are important to God. God wants you to be with him for eternity. God wants you to be with him every day now. Don't wait till heaven. Nobody's going to meet God in heaven. If you don't know him already, you won't be there. This is, this is something we build now. Our relationship with God now. He wants you to walk with him today. Not when I die someday. But he wants, he wants to party with you today. Not, not someday off in the future. It matters to him. I remember this uh, classic story. This, this father and son, and the son was a senior in high school, and, his, and they, had, they were looking at cars, and, and his father took a couple times to go look at this Dodge Charger, and the son was just so in love with this Charger. And, and, and he knew, you know, he was thinking, I know dad's thinking about getting me this for graduation. And he was all excited and everything. And on his graduation day, they threw a big party for him. And, and at the beginning of the party, his dad gives him a gift, and he thought it was a box. He thought it was going to be keys to the car. And he opens up the box and it was a Bible. And the son just was furious. He was mad. He was disappointed. He was angry. He ended up leaving, missing his party. He had, had accepted a job. He was supposed to leave the next day. He left. He was gone for a couple years and hardly ever talked to his dad. And then unfortunately, his dad died of a heart attack. And, and so he came home after a few years to, to come bury his father. And his mom gave him a box of his stuff. And he was going through the box and he found the Bible in the box. And he picks up the Bible and he starts flipping through it. And out of the Bible, a check fell out for the exact amount of the car, the exact cost of the car. Because he didn't listen, because he didn't trust he not only lost his party, but he lost his great reward. And he lost his father. And see, that's what this parable is about. Is not losing your father. And being found. Letting yourself be found by God. You know the story of Nemo. You know, the, what I said I wanted to call this sermon. What is the story of Nemo? It's a father searching for his lost son. It's a very touching story. It's a very moving story. The son gets lost. And you know, the thing about it is there's a secret, there's a hidden meaning in this story. In Oromo, the meaning, the name Nemo means the man, or as may be the case, the woman. It means the person, the man. And the man was lost. And that was finding Nemo. In Latin, it actually, Nemo means nobody. Finding the man or the finding the nobody. And it's an irony because nobody is nobody. Everybody is precious to God and therefore somebody. You are not a nobody. You are precious to God. And God proves how precious you are by his great effort to find you and to reach you and to bring you home to be with him. That's a pretty awesome story. And that needs to be your story. It needs to be the people you love story. You were found by God. And now you're partying with him. And now you're with him. 
And, and, and we have to make sure that when we get found by God, we don't forget him. We don't live in the same house, but don't connect. That we live with God. That we walk with God. Because that is his desire. And that's his heart. And that is why we're taking this collection today. That's why we're sacrificing. That's why we're praying. That's why we're selling stuff. That's why we're giving to a cause, to a people that we may never see. That we may never be thanked. That we may never see the results. But that's okay because we know that that money is blessing people and helping find Nemo. (laughs) Helping find people so that they can be with God forever. So that's our sermon today. That's the parable of finding Nemo. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 